podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Eddie Gibbs and welcome to Off The Wall, the podcast here on Anfield Index, where we like to give you a small flavour of some of the content available over on the paywall side of our channel at Anfield Index Pro. Now I appreciate it's been a while since we last brought you some shows uh, from AI Pro here on Off The Wall, but please be assured this is not a reflection of the content being lacking in any way or less wonderful than normal over on the paywall side of the channel, and far more to do with me trying to keep things amicable on the home front by uh, not listening to quite so many podcasts as normal and being sure to enjoy the uh, all-too-short Scottish summertime with the odd uh, day trip here or there. Now, uh, the Premier League champions uh, will shortly be returning from their respective uh, vacations, uh, and there'll be a new face to greet them at Millwood, and that's because left-back Costa Simakas has made his way from Olympiacos in Greece to Liverpool for a fee of £11.7 million on a five-year contract. Now there's uh, nothing to get football fans' pulses racing quite like transfers, and here at AI Pro we like to cover all sides of every transfer and potential link, and there are podcasts profiling players from background statistics to mentality, and we have top analysts, coaches, scouts, and of course, those journalists who tend to break the news just ahead of the club's official announcement. They are all here on AI Pro. And the show we're going to give you today is one that sits right on that fantastic insight stage. Yes, it's Mo Chacha's Brilliant Money Talks. In this episode, Mo is uh, recording alongside Gags Tandon in light of the Simicus signing. They take a deep dive on the numbers involved and discuss the oddity of the uh, Jamal Lewis bid from uh, to Norwich in tandem with uh, this transfer. The lads then go on to discuss the wider transfer strategy in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic and speculate on where the finances say Liverpool may look for their next signing. Now, before we let Mo and Gags loose on your ears, I also wanted to share with you some of the superb content we've released on the paywall side of the channel over the past few days. First up, uh, you must, must, must go and listen to the latest AI Scouted podcast. Dave Hendrick was joined by Greek journalist Themis Kassaris, and to take a closer look at, at Costa Simakas, put simply, this is one of the best discussions you'll find anywhere about Liverpool's new left-back, and Themis, who is a Liverpool fan, shares a wealth of knowledge on the player, sure to have any sceptics uh, salivating to see um, take his bow for the Reds. It's uh, quite quite a fascinating insight, and Themis speaks so well uh, in what's not his first language on uh, on how this guy is going to fit into Liverpool and why Liverpool are probably taking this uh, this plunge with all the plaudits as ever to uh, to Michael Edwards and uh, and Jurgen Klopp. Now, last week Dan Kennett joined Dave Hendrick, Gags Tandon, and Mo Chatra for our ever popular Transfer Committee podcast. They assumed the roles of manager, scout, analyst, and finance director, and the quartet discussed a raft of names closely linked to the numbers which is what we do on Anfield Index. Uh, and they discuss the guys who could potentially make their way to, to Liverpool Football Club in the future. Every transfer window, this show is one of the most popular on the channel and seems to garner incredible feedback and debate. So do go and have a listen to that. 
And for even more of a preview of the 2021 season, our resident sports scientist Simon Brundish was once again joined by sports physiotherapist Marty Lovren on our Fatigue Index podcast. Now, they took a look at how Liverpool might prepare for the new season in this drastically shortened off season. How will the scheduling affect Klopp's plans? And what are the injury risks in what's sure to be a more condensed season than any other? Those guys cover all of that. Fatigue Index is always a show that uh, gets debate and people people loving to chat about... <laughs> This insight that these incredible professionals are able to deliver to our channel. You are just not getting stuff like this in the mainstream, folks. Now, to enjoy all this fantastic content, you can sign up to AI Pro absolutely free for seven days. So all of that content, everything we've ever released on AI Pro is available within that free trial period. To sign up, all you have to do is head on over to anfieldindexpro.com. There is zero obligation, and we mean zero obligation to continue after the free trial. You can cancel at any point within the trial period, and you will not be charged a penny. If you decide to stick around, and of course we can't fathom why anyone wouldn't, then the cost is only £4.99 per month, or £39.99 per year. The exact same prices that were pretty much there from day one on Anfield Index Pro. We are not looking to put our prices up. We're still delivering great content, and we're aimed to throughout the whole season. You will have so many good shows. If you haven't taken the plunge yet take this free trial now give it a go and hopefully you'll stick around and enjoy uh, the new season where, where Liverpool go on and attack the Premier League uh, title defence as, uh, as Jurgen Klopp put it I'd also quickly draw your attention to AnfieldIndex.shop that's our fast growing retail store from official Liverpool merchandise to those lovely golden Premier League champion sleeve badges that you can iron onto your kit be it the uh, New Balance one uh, Liverpool of course won the league in all those new uh, Nike kits with the uh, with the teal trim uh, that these badges are immensely popular Greg Hopcross doing his utmost to keep us in stock from the official suppliers so please do uh, buy your badges from us if you are going to buy one uh we, of course, have our uh, bespoke range of prints and clothing as well. Some of those prints are absolutely gorgeous. I've got a few on my wall here in the office now, and uh, it really has brightened up the place. It lets you revel in being a champion uh, and supporting this great club. So uh, so do go and have a look at our prints. There, They can be easily framed. They're available in all sorts of sizes. And, of, and of course, those T-shirts and hoodies and, and, and face masks and all these things are available as well. <laughs> Uh, you could save yourself 10%. I should say that, uh, AI pro 10, that's the coupon AI pro and the number 10, uh, that will save you 10% on anything that you purchase at anfieldindex.shop. So do go there and have a, have a look around. Of course, we'd love your feedback on any of the shows that we put out on Anfield Index or Anfield Index Pro. And the best way to do that is to join our free discord community. It's a thriving community of reds underpinned by healthy opinion and debate. And to do so, just head over to anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. That's D-I-S-C-O-R-D AnfieldIndex.com forward slash Discord. Now we know more and more people are moving to uh, Discord communities. It seems to be something that started in the gaming sector and has now become something that the media and fan media are using more and more and Anfield Index were one of the first to do that so we have a really powerful Discord community it's really worth your while and when you join AI Pro you get access to even more groups where a lot of our contributors our podcasters uh, are all commenting and debating uh, subjects on Liverpool and that lets you have a, a first hand way of, uh, of, of speaking to some of the podcasters directly so please do join anfieldindex.com forward slash discord alternatively of course you can relay your thoughts to us on facebook just search for anfield index or twitter we're at anfield index pro or anfield index at anfield index so at two handles at anfield index or at anfield index pro we do have a, a shop account as well which is at 
AI Shop Inc. Uh, you can uh, forward that, follow that one as well. So here we go. Without further delay, here it is. Mo Chatra and Gags Chandan. It's Money Talks. Hello, everyone. I'm Mo Chatra, and welcome for a special episode of Money Talks. Yes, um, it's coming half the news that uh, Liverpool are in advanced talks um, with a left-back from Olympiakos and one Costas Simicast. And um, this has got Liverpool fans all over social media um, really, really excited because finally we're making a signing. I say finally, I mean, the window's only just open, but Liverpool fans, being Liverpool fans, if there's not a signing being made um, or a strong link, then they're all in panic mode, even though we've just become champions of England and we're also champions of Europe and champions of the world. Um, but it's it's hot news and... Um, there's an interesting discussion really to be had about the strategy involving this um, and what it means for our potential future business over the next um, nearly 60 days of the remainder of the transfer window. And I'm joined by someone special, um, the godfather, the podfather indeed, of Anfield Index and Anfield Index Pro, the one and only Gagstan. And how you doing, Gags? <laughs> the godfather, like imagine, yeah, get my guns out in a minute, you know, with some shady That's dealing it. on the side, right, making you an offer, Mo, that you can't refuse, Nobody eh? can refuse, <laughs> exactly, you've given it away. <laughs> oh, that's how I got you to do the pod, you know? <laughs> on a Sunday, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <On a Sunday. laughs> well, you know what, it's, it's intriguing as hell. This deal, um, oh, you know, so much has been going on. And as far as our transfer window goes, we've been busy. We've sold a player. We've let a few players go. We've, oh. um, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. You can tell the guys behind the scenes are busy. So it should put a, a few people at ease that things are going on. It's not all, we haven't got no money, so we're not going to do anything. But yeah, I, I've got a feeling, Mo, that it's going to be a, a really busy one in terms of outgoings as well. And I think then that dictates what happens. But again, we'll cover... We'll cover the, the, the strategy a little bit later on. But, I mean, yeah. the, big news, the big news really was when we were doing the Transfer Committee podcast, let's let's dial this back to Tuesday night. Yeah. When we were doing the Transfer Committee pod and we were literally talking about we'd gone past the left-backs and uh, we'd chosen somebody else. Uh, Pickering, was it, I think? And then, That's right. And, and <laughs> And then Melissa ready reports that we've we've put a bid in for Jamal Lewis. At that point, we went and changed our mind. But obviously, Liverpool are a little bit more. Um, you know, they've got they they think they think about these things a lot more than other people give them credit for, in terms of options and targets and getting deals done. Because you know, this is this is crazy. This is we we were pretty much. Nobody puts that type of information out, do they? Until and at that point, we thought it was pretty much done deal. If Melissa's tweeting about it, yeah, yeah, and it was a really interesting way in which the whole story panned out um, after it, was, it broke on Tuesday evening. Because um, first of all, Liverpool over the last two or three years, maybe not so much five, six, seven years ago, but certainly the last two, three years, have been a very smart, shrewd operator in transfer dealings. They normally release it to um, those reporters that are close to the club when it's pretty much there or it's there. So for them to go to the likes of Mel Reddy and the likes of uh, Joycey and to say, look, um, we are putting a bid in for Jamal Lewis left back at Norwich City. Um, usually that, that signals that the club is confident that the deal can be done. 
because if it's a bid without the club having that confidence, then they tend to keep it quiet. And you just have to go back to the extreme example of Fabinho, where, you know, one hour um, it took from pretty, well, one or two hours between being told, oh, um, we're putting a bid in for Fabinho to he's, he's um, signed. And, and that was quite, um, quite something. And uh, so we're, we're almost accustomed to that as fans now. Um, but this was interesting because, first of all, the story broke. And then the next day it was um, something along the lines of Liverpool are lining up. I think it was 8 million plus 2 million in add-ons. Then we heard about the Norwich side, which is, well, they are in no urgency to sell and want no less than 20 million. And then the bid went in from Liverpool. And then the story broke that that was quickly rebuffed. 12 million, was it miserly, the next one? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, and, yeah. uh, you know, but nonetheless, I mean, we thought, OK, this is all part of the game. This is all part of the charade. And eventually, you know, if, if Liverpool are putting their neck on the line and say, look, you know, we're, we're interested in this player. Um, at this point in time, you'd expect it to be coming through. And then all of so a sudden, Mo, we got why this do you think, today. Why, why do you think we would? Let's go. Just stick with Jamal, though, because obviously oh. me and you definitely 100 percent thought it was done. If they're yeah. doing this, it's just a charade to say, and it's happened in the past when Norwich say, you know, we're not getting done over by this. We're actually having a uh, a back and forth and a debate on it. And we all thought that was a lie. And we all thought that's just, you know, just to make them look good. But in this in this case, it was true. Why would we go public with that info? Why do you think are we were we just pressuring them? Is that the is that the What's the strategy behind that? I mean, we've seen loads of stuff that we do and we go in evidence and, and I think it's the first time where something like that's been going on, for sure. Well, for the first time in several years, I mean... I of course, we haven't made any transfers. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was different from what we've seen over the last couple of years, certainly. But uh, yeah, I, I pretty much think that, you know, as you speculated, it was more to do with trying to lean on the club, but also to try and get the player to really use himself and also his intermediaries and other mm-hmm. representatives to put pressure on Norwich to say, look, you know, this is, you know, the hottest property in world football now coming knocking on our door. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity for me to go and join the champions of England, the champions of Europe, the champions of the world. Please let it happen. Please make it um, so that, you know, you can negotiate a deal that satisfies both parties. And it's evident from, what has come out today, Sunday, that um, Norwich seemed not interested in the slightest in having any kind of negotiation. It was pretty much 20 million at least or nothing. If you've got no interest in putting anything 20 million or above, then go away. And so Liverpool clearly went away. But um, yeah, the the strategy was interesting in that I think um, Liverpool perhaps felt that they... What one of the things we know is that Liverpool, as a club, puts a value on players, like we've done on the transfer committee. You know, we put a value to a player, and if if that valuation is not in the same ballpark as the selling club, then we w- walk away and move on to another target, and, and that's what we've been doing, and that has served us well. Uh, you know, we we've on several occasions brought in the second or third choice targets. You know, the likes of Salah and. Um, Mane and you know that that has worked wonders for us so you know it's it can't be um held up as a an example of um you know a strategy that is has been failing us it absolutely hasn't and what we heard over the week was that we had four 
targets lined up. And interestingly, um, one of the reports I read was that um, Simicas is actually the third choice, not the second, but the third. I'm quite interested and intrigued to find out who the second choice was. Um, but may, maybe we made a... Um, Some guy from Sevilla, I think, they were saying. Oh, okay. um, the, the, right, right. Oh, I've forgotten his name. It was, there was a report about it. Um, he's on loan from Madrid. Uh, Sean Good just typing something. Maybe he knows the name of the player. But apparently we were going to think about going for him. But again, I just think, you know, if it's dealing with, you know, those, you know, uh, how do you say that name? Reguli- <laughs> I don't even know how to say his name. <laughs> Regulon? <laughs> Regulon? <laughs> I don't know. Reg- yeah. Regulon. Regillon, Regillon, yeah. there you go. From Madrid, from Madrid to Sevilla, that's him. And right. um, I just think dealing with Madrid is going to be a nightmare. They're they're um, they, you know they're they're a bit cash strapped at the moment as well. They'd probably see us as, as an opportunity to make some money. So I think they did the right thing, you know. I think yeah, they did the I... right thing in moving and moving away from uh, Jamal. I mean, just to finish on Jamal before we move on to oh. the side player that we're going to, um, I think. <laughs> Liverpool have every right to do what they've done. I think Norwich have every right to do what they did, stick to their plan and their 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 their, their money, you know, the money they want. If someone pays it, fair enough. I feel sorry for the player here, but I assume he's not made a fuss because obviously, if your player makes a fuss, it it happens, and Liverpool wouldn't move on without they've gone public for God's sake with something. Um, he's obviously tried. He's obviously, in my opinion, and it's an assumption, he's he's been loyal here to Norwich. Fair play to him. I just hope he doesn't miss out and end up. Well, he has. He's missed out, and he's going to end up at another club. If he ends up at Leicester, I feel sorry for him because um, with Rodgers, it's not really, yeah, it's not <laughs> the best place to be personally. So, um, yeah, yeah. It, uh, you know, uh, from my point of view, it's um, it's a shame for him, and he's probably going to be gutted. Um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, nobody should be really blaming anyone in this. Um, I think it's it's just the way Liverpool want to work. They're just not going to pay over the odds for anybody at this moment in time. And that's why, Mo, you gave us a zero um, budget in, in the transfer committee part. This is the exactly, time of the yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was, it was not for no reason. Um, this is how we wish to operate for the time being. During these uncertain times, when we don't know what next season might look like financially, never mind in other ways, um, you know, it's a high-risk thing to do, to be splashing out loads of money. Others like Chelsea can do it because they're backed by owners that as Evidence shows from accounts are willing to put in huge amounts of their own wealth to support the affairs of the club. Our owners operate in a different way. They want the club to be um, self-sustaining. And, and uh, you know, that, again, has served us well in terms of its approach. And, um, you know, there are times when, obviously, we feel like, well, look at City, they're able to splash out X amount, um, you know, on players. And, you know, if we had that kind of money... Mm. then, you know, maybe a Werner could have happened, you know, and we may not have had to withdraw from that deal when it looked so far advanced and it looked like he was hell-bent on joining Liverpool. Um, but overall, you know, you can't deny the fact that the strategy has worked well. Can, um, we, but, can we have a discussion about that, that Werner yeah. stuff that you just said? And uh, this is where we're going a little bit into the strategy of FSG. We've talked about it on Discord. So if you're not on Discord, folks, and you're a subscriber, which you will be if you're listening to this, obviously, the... You should really be on Discord because a lot of good chat on there. Yeah, it's not a debate as well that you want to probably filter out from time to time. We go a bit crazy. Uh, but if you go into the transfer chat area or the money talks area, there's some really good chats happening, especially this time of year. Mo's in there. We're, we're, a lot of us are in there. And we're going to be talking evidence-based and stuff. Uh, but um, 
the discussion about where the funds are, why we don't have funds, and obviously a lot of the a lot of the stuff that we're pushing to people and subscribers is about the money that Liverpool are counting on losing, or or at least you know, you know, forward thinking and you're planning that what eighty? You said it was eighty million, eighty five million. If we have no fans, and it's unlikely to happen, but because I think that there are plans to bring fans back, but. You go with the worst case scenario. Just say we had no fans for the whole of next season. What's the figure that we're thinking that we're losing? So that alone um, costs us pretty much all of the match day revenue, which um, last couple of years has been in the region of about eighty million pounds. Um, right. At You're the same time, more now in the league, right? Yeah, I mean, the earnings from the Premier League to win or come second, prize money generally has gone up. So the latest deal kicked in during this season that's just finished 2019-20 um, and it saw a decrease in domestic rights but a big increase in overseas rights so overall the money has increased but we know that the Premier League um, had proposed that the clubs wouldn't receive their full allocation of funding because all of these fixtures had to be uh, pretty much kind of um, wrapped up within what a six-week period um, and so therefore they were having to have matches go on on a weekday evening when normally they'd be able to play them out over the weekends when they typically can get, you know, higher viewership. Um, so that, that is an impact, you know, this season affecting, sorry, 1920 in terms of TV revenue. But also, there's a further um, deduction that will be made, but I think that will be made in 21-22 season, which will be the third year of the current deal. So there's the TV money impact. And then also, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, millions of people uh, financially suffering, losing jobs and all the rest of it. And I know that the launch of the night kit um, just over a week ago Amazing, has seen it? some fantastic sales. Absolutely incredible by all accounts. But yeah. nonetheless, um, you know, you've got to think that there'll be a lot of people that lo- would love to still buy, you know, the official merchandise, but, you know, for financial reasons can't, you know, they're either out of a job or, you know, they can't go back to work because of um, the rules of their respective governments at the moment. Um, so these things are all a factor. And the way that Liverpool try to operate is very much on a risk averse basis. So they'll be thinking, OK, what's the worst case scenario? And they might not necessarily budget on the worst case scenario, but they need to be prepared of the worst case scenario, which is no fans in the stadium whatsoever for the forthcoming season, um, an impact on commercial and possibly another impact on um, broadcast revenue as well. So when all of that is considered, that is why I think it's pretty evident that the club is saying, and it's been backed up by reports in the media in the last few days, that if the club wants to purchase um, new players and make signings, that it has to be self-funded. So in other words, sell to buy. And mm. I think that had COVID not happened, then I think that the club would have been in a very different situation. Agreed. Um, I think that, you know, I was looking at the, the kind of accounts just before we started this and yeah. the club's paid out 524 million <sighs> in the previous four seasons on transfer money um, to other clubs, 524. So I think for this season, because they did virtually no business in the summer just gone, it, last year, 2019, um, and with the likes of Virgil van Dijk, I think they'd pay the bulk of that money um, to Southampton at the time of the signing. 
Um, I think they actually would have had um, a lot less going out in terms of instalment payments to other clubs and payments to agents than maybe in the case maybe the year before. So I think they were really well geared to um, actually make some significant head, headway in the transfer market. I think that eighty million. I think that eighty million could have been your you know a starting budget for you with sales on top. So all yeah. the stuff that we were talking, we would have. We would have we would have been able to do some big moves this summer had COVID not hit. You know, Werner would have been definitely a player in already. Uh, his wages wouldn't have been as you know astrom- as astronomical as what Chelsea have given. But I think he would have he would have been willing to to drop those. You know, to come to play for the champions. And obviously, people people are saying that the, the move of Afcon as well was a big thing as well. That uh, you know we. <laughs> Where's he, when's he going to play when we've got front three like that? But I think I think we, we we would be smart with players. When people say that, I think we'll be really smart. If we buy good quality players in backup, then there will be good rotation in the squad. I think people always focus too much on the starting eleven and say, oh, but them three are brilliant, so when are they going to play? I think, you know what? They've played so much that a rest, you know, once every three weeks for each of them isn't a bad thing. So they're playing three out of four weeks in a, in, a, in, a, in a month, you know. I think that's loads of games. And that also means that the time's distributed between four people. It would just mean they're fresh the whole way through the season. So even though people talk about it as if, where's he going to play? You'll find that they'll actually get to play a lot of games if they're rotated between all, all players, you know. So I don't agree with the fact that, you know, they won't get game time. I do think, um, I think he's good at rotating once he's got players in there. We see that with midfield, don't we, Mo? Mo, the, the midfield is an absolute example of his rotation. If he's got oh. the players, he's going to rotate them. Even if some of the fan base doesn't agree with some of the players, he's going to rotate them in there. Had he got a similar, you know, base in midfield and in, in fullback, there will be. Gomez and Trent were rotated heavily at one point, remember? They just oh, he, yeah, does, yeah. he has, there's evidence of him doing it. So I think, you know, if... Costas, and we'll move over to Costas now. I just think it was good to just put that base in because a lot of people have been throwing toys out of the palm about where's the money gone, FSG out and all that. And just think, you know, you have to be sensible about, the, sensible about these things, even though there might be a chance of, what, 40% of fans coming back in or what was 60%. What was the, the there was some media stuff coming out um, a month or so ago, wasn't there, that they might bring some fans back later in the year. But if there's another lockdown, is that going to happen? I can't. I can't see that happening. Exactly, there's, yeah. there's lockdowns yeah. happening all over the country, um, in different phases, in different areas. What are you going to do? So one, what, so for a certain club, can bring back forty percent of fans, but the travelling club won't be able to. It's going to be an absolute mess. So I yeah, think that's you, it. I think you do the right thing as the club, and you forecast it in a way and say, yeah, we're we're not going to get this eighty million this year. Let's be prudent. Let's be safe, and let's go buy. You know, sell to buy. So. Let's talk about um, this guy then that we're, we're getting in because obviously this is not a scouting pod, folks. So you'll get all of that tomorrow with Dave. Okay, he's got a Greek football expert whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce because I'm going to ruin it and I apologise in advance. So um, you can listen to that with Dave in the morning tomorrow. Should be out by lunch, I hope. But um, this was a surprise, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, you know, we were all expecting that, okay, we're going to go in with a formal second bid. Uh, maybe I don't know Monday, Tuesday of this coming of this week, and uh, you know we'll get the deal done. <laughs> maybe for that figure of fifteen million that I um, attached to Jamal Lewis during the transfer committee pod Tuesday last week. But 
clearly we decided no um this is the way that we're going to play it and you know you just mentioned earlier on about well that that's interesting in itself and i think there's a reason why um you know the friend of anfield index and anfield index pro neil jones um when he wrote about the story for goal said that this is our first signing of the summer which then suggests that there are more to come and i think what this has done is put a marker down to other clubs to say look we are not chelsea we're not manchester united we will attach a value to a player if you don't want to work with us and if you want to be stubborn we'll move on to another target it's as simple as that and so i think this is a message to other clubs to say look we come to you and if we put a, fat, a figure in front of you which we think is fair and if you think this is not attractive in the slightest then we'll walk away and i think it's it's really really clever and smart by Good business, uh, isn't Mike it? Edwards. At the end of the day, yeah. absolutely, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's not like Manchester United and um, that clan that they've got um, running their shop. <laughs> who, you know, Leicester City last year with Maguire, they said eighty million. He said, "No, no, we'll pay about forty, forty-five. Eighty million, Leicester said. Okay, maybe fifty-five. Eighty million. Okay, sixty. <laughs> or about sixty-five, seventy. Okay, deal. Eighty million. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> You know, I have a feeling they won't get Sancho because of that as well. Exactly, yeah. Impossible to afford a 250 million deal over five years. It's just with COVID, it's just, I mean, they're losing more than us a year if if no comes back. Yeah. Now, one of the interesting things with United is that they're, um, because they are um, traded, um, so obviously there are people that have shares in United. according to the New York Stock Exchange, they have to release a full set of accounts which are far, far more detailed than the accounts that you can find for Liverpool or other privately held football clubs. And if you um, analyse Man United accounts, you'll see that within the next 12 months, sorry, uh, within 12 months of the last set of accounts, which went up to summer 2019, they had to pay out a huge amount of money. So what it meant is that they had massive amounts of installments to pay out to clubs that they had purchased players from which i think was over 200 million within 12 months so by summer of this year they had to pay out something like 200 million um, in installments to uh selling clubs so it would have been the likes of leicester city with maguire um Oof. to um you know for bruno fernandez and a variety of other signings that they've made like crystal palace with van bissaka that's a huge amount. And then for them to try and find, you know, a hundred million, albeit again, they'll try and agree on installments for Sancho. No. Yeah. But if um, the reports yeah. are true, they want 80 million of that up front or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that, that's what puts him in difficulty. Now, I mean, Man United do have um, 300 million in the bank, um, which is a huge amount of money, but the way that they are, their owners tend to operate is that once that money's, in, in the bank that, that they are very low to then dispense with it. And that is why um, Ed Woodward is, you know, charged with trying to negotiate a deal, but he, as time has proven, is an absolutely terrible negotiator. Um, and, and that's why he has got no credibility when it comes to these types of deals. Whereas Michael Edwards, his credibility is already sky high. And, you know, this piece of business here, not so much by signing a player, but by actually walking away from a prime target, is again uh, something that adds to his integrity, adds to his um, reputation, 
So this is a person that when he says something to you, take heed, listen to what he's got to say, because he's not a fool like the one at Manchester United. This is somebody to be listened to. And if you don't want to do business on his terms, then, you know, he will have some viable targets that he will go to next. So, Absolutely. you know, that, that is really good for us. As a Zero bluffing. He's a great poker player. I bet I'd love to play mm. poker with Mr. Edwards. <laughs> but um, real, real Kevin Palmer, I mean, I don't know if we take this for gospel or not, but he's just said he's spoken to a senior source at Olympiacos and Liverpool's deal with Costas uh, Simikas. Jatine put this in the chat. Uh, he's flying to the UK today to complete the move. Deal is 16.5 million euros. I'm... Uh, I'm, I'm assuming that's with add-ons, plus 20% of all future sell-on. Uh, talks have been ongoing for 10 days, and Simicast was assured he was first choice ahead of Jamal Lewis. So that adds another level of intrigue in terms of, was Jamal a smoke screen all that time? <laughs> well, 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 I mean, well, you know. I'd, I mean, I'd, I have thought you'd, I'd have thought you'd know, because you were there when they had the face-to-face meeting on Thursday in Wolverhampton. <laughs> That was it. I put a joke. I couldn't believe it. They did it in walls, but obviously they were all there. So it's hilarious. Yeah. I put a joke up on Twitter saying, "Yeah, they all came to my house afterwards. We had a bit of a party. We but we socially distanced and wore masks. Oh, but it might have been some somebody else, you know, because they were wearing masks. Couldn't tell who it was. So yeah, I'll just make that up. Nobody can prove it was them or it wasn't them. But yeah, uh, interesting. They were literally Mr. Edwards was what. Um, you know, a couple of minutes away because if it was anywhere near the town centre, it's just a couple of minutes away from me. So that's that's quite hilarious. Um, but yeah, um, crazy that obviously the deal's been going on since Thursday at least, but then ten days. So you know, n- nothing is leaked to the local, you know, the press. I mean, this has been going on though in the Greek press for a while because I think the first story dated back to the thirty first. Uh, July, I think. So that's nearly yeah. a week ago. So I think what we need to do is, <laughs> um, Mo, is look at all these players that we're linked to and just focus on those on the foreign press more than the, the, the British press, I think. That's probably something that we need to focus on. And no more plane tracking. We need to get Adam to start um, tracking their journalists. <laughs> <laughs> all Any these low-level... Yeah, because uh, I, th- I think the story originally broke from pretty low-level local uh, reporters um, in in Greece and, um, you know, people that were close to the club. But they were spot on the whole way over the last week and a bit. You know, they Absolutely. knew exactly what was going on. And, again, that is something that, again, suggests an interesting um, perhaps change to the way that we're trying to do business with, with uh, transfer dealings in that it appears that we actually put in bids for at least – two players at around the same time because Could if be. we had a meeting on Thursday then I'm, I, I, I highly doubt that that meeting would have taken place without a bid going in beforehand so mm. I, I suspect that the bid went in for both players and they decided okay whichever one is a bit more flexible and wants to compromise and want to get the deal done we'll go with them uh, we, we know and well you know better than most that um, the way that Edwards works and his team and Ian Graham and all the rest of them, you know, they have a level of analysis data that far exceeds anything that's publicly available. Better um, than anything that we will ever do on a transfer committee pod. Let's just put, and we got some talented yeah. people on that pod with you three, yeah. right? But at the end of the day, what these guys do is, you know, industry, they are the standard bearers yeah. of the industry. So if they're looking at a player and they want a player, there's going to be something that they see in it 
that we don't see in those stats, we won't see in those numbers, but they will have something in depth that this player is going to be a good fit for us. You know, in, in I mean, I've only watched five minute YouTube clips of him. His is he loves to dribble a ball, is what I've got from the first thing. Is he just loves to have a, a run at a player, which is which is a good sign because that's what yeah. we want. We want we want players more comfortable on the ball, being able to run at people, make that space for everybody else. You know, that's around. Mane is going to have a great time. Whoever's playing down that left side is going to have have some fun. But you know, you have to trust. You have to trust what we're doing. Have we? Have we even had a failure yet? Really, a real failure, real stink. I don't think we have. Have we? In, at what? Eleven million to sixteen million euro, thirteen million quid, fourteen million quid. Is it? Yeah, it's it's very very smart, shrewd business, and you know it, it just shows the way that we operate. I mean, Manchester City will be going out and spending forty to fifty million on a reserve or a backup fullback, and they've done that time and time again since Pep Guardiola joined their club. Um, whereas you know we don't operate in that way. We we spend money in a smart way, uh, you know, and, and that is what is so good because along with that transfer fee, you can also expect relatively moderate wages as well. I don't think that this player will be coming exactly. in Good for point. more than 40 or 50,000. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, this is a player that would probably on about, I don't know, 15, 20, maybe 25,000 for Olympiakos. And he's joining and he'll probably get a very nice bump in his pay by his standards, but by the standards of the wage bill at Liverpool Football Club, he's actually one of the lesser earners. Um, and that brings with it hunger because he'll then look at oh. somebody like an Andy Robertson. Andy Robertson came in from Hull, probably on very similar money, like thirty, forty thousand a week, and yet he is—I mean, we're talking just the basic. Um, he's probably on about seventy to eighty now on his current deal, which he only signed last year. And mm-hmm. on top of that, one of the other things we know is that bonuses. a lot of these players make more money than their basic wages from the bonuses. And, yeah. and this group of players, last couple of years, has, have absolutely killed it on their bonuses. Um, yeah. We've paid out. So much money that it's almost made me cry. And um, <laughs> you know. I'm thinking goal involvement, goal involvement yeah. bonuses must be massive for the fullbacks right now. You know that that's why they. Yeah. But it's a motivator in it. It's it a massive motivator for players, and and I think yeah. it's a clever way of doing it. It's always you know these clubs that go and throw. It'd be interesting to see if Sancho did go to a United, but on 350k a week, what would you? What would be your motivation? Yeah, trophies is a motivation, but. If if you have a downturn in the club or with people around you, you know what's the motivator then? You know it's... exactly, yeah, and, and that's why you know it's another interesting part about the FSG approach because Liverpool, more than pretty much any club in in the Premier League, has deals which are so heavily incentivized. I mean, pretty much every club in the Premier League will pay out some degree of bonuses, but you know for scoring a goal for other clubs, um, maybe one or two thousand. But if you go back to the league of Firmino's um, kind of bonuses from two or three years ago, he was being paid a huge amount of money for goals and assists and this and that. And you can imagine that the same is also applied to a lot of the other players. And that's why, you know, a lot of these, a lot of fans on on social media, Liverpool fans, again, will look at, you know, Liverpool Football Club having this kind of solid wage structure and saying, why do we only pay 180,000 a week when there's other clubs that are paying 300, 350? But you're forgetting that, these players are earning so much in the way of bonuses that somebody like Salah in the last, well, certainly since he's re-signed his deal, 
probably has earned more than any player in the Premier League, more than Pogba, more than De Bruyne, more than Aguero. You name them, I think he's made more than them. I mean, our wage bill is only about 20 million less than United, and United have a much bigger squad, and they've got a ton of players who are on, you know, 250, 300, 350, 400, 450,000 a week. I mean, they've got Luke Shaw on 195,000 a week. Um, so again, you're people, saying if we sat yeah. down and we worked out, just say on average their wages, it will yeah. the, the the actual guarantee will be way less than the 318 million that's reported. But all the all the difference is basically bonuses. Exactly. Yeah, I, I did that just that. I mean, I worked it out oh, for okay. the kind of main first team squad, mm. and I, I, I think it was coming out in the region of about 110 million. And um, <laughs> a third of it, just over yeah. a third of it. Fucking hell. Now, now, in saying that, I mean, there's also other staff who work at the club, like people in IT, human resources, player liaison, uh, people that are doing the yeah, dance maintenance. They, they, they won't make as but, much. They, they, oh, they no, no. They're, on, they're yeah. on normal wages by the standards of, you know, the ordinary Absolutely. Companies. That shouldn't take a dent, really. That wouldn't make any no, dent in the, in the hundreds of exactly. millions, but that's a big dent. Yeah. I mean, to. I was working, I think I was working out, I estimated it about. Of that three hundred and ten million that we paid out in eighteen nineteen, mm. and that was a season that we won the Champions League, I reckon about one hundred and sixty, one hundred and seventy million of that was bonuses. So I I worked out that the, the actual basic pay was in the region of about one hundred and ten for the first team squad, bonuses about one sixty to one seventy. So these players are actually making more, as I say, in bonuses than they are. Um, from their um, basic wages. And this is also a piece of work that um, Nick Harris, who we've had on Money Talks, has done. Yeah. And he came out with very similar figures to what I, I just quoted. So, um, you know, th- this is the way that this club operates. Whereas if you look at United, for example, they pay very high basic wages, but their bonus structure appears to be significantly less. And mm. that is why all of these players at United, well, so many of these players at United seem to lack that kind of hunger that you see with the Liverpool players because the Liverpool players have got a financial vested interest in being as successful as possible. Whereas David De Gea, after he signed his new contract, making him the highest paid goalkeeper in world football um, last year, since then, he's been absolute pants, rubbish. Just mistake after mistake. He's been the Spanish, you know, um, who's Lloris, you know, just... um, somebody that's prone to howlers, a world away from the player that we saw um, prior to that. You know, if you think back to four or five years ago, he was generally had a case as being the top goalkeeper in the world. And at that time, he was playing for a move to Real Madrid and he was playing it season after season. It never happened. Once that fell through and he got his fat contract, his form has just fallen off a cliff. Same happened with Alexis Sanchez when he joined United. They offered him silly money to not go to Manchester City. And after that, he thought, well, I'm made now. Why do I need to make an effort? And that, again, is credit to FSG because you know, they decided to put in this kind of model of heavy incentivization of players. It keeps them keen. It keeps them wanting Hungry. more because yeah. they know the more success they have, the more goals they score, the more clean sheets they keep, the more assists, the more money that it, that it, it brings for them and their families. And, and that is something I, I really hope that um, longer term, whether FSG stay for two years, 10 years, 20 years, remains at this club because that is proving to be such a key thing in terms of getting the most out of these players, as well as obviously having a a great manager that creates the camaraderie between the team. 
But I think the you cannot underestimate the way that we have set up the way that these players are paid. It's a very key factor in why they're delivering in the way that they are. So, really good point from Ali in um, the Discord chat. So, there shouldn't be a worry about enticing future players to come because another team can pay 300k uh, per week. If you do well here, on your basic, you're going to be earning big money anyway, but you've got to perform. Are you afraid of a, Are you afraid of performing? I don't think they are. I don't think players would be. They'd back themselves, especially the ones that we go for. Someone like Werner would have backed himself, I think I'm sure he would, but it just wouldn't work for us. You know, it just wouldn't work for us at this time, unfortunately. Um, yeah. The thing with Werner also is that, um, you know, he thought that Bayern Munich would definitely come in for him last year, 2019. And so he had that worry at the back of his mind that, OK, I can hang on and I can hang on for Liverpool. But what if they do to me what Bayern did last year? And I think that that, that is what really kind of um, made him tip towards Chelsea. Because, look, why would you go and play for that club at this moment in time where, you know, they are so top heavy where, you know, going forward, yeah, very good. Um, but at the back, they're just an absolute calamity show. And we saw that just the other night against Bayern Munich. And once again, we saw it against Arsenal in the FA Cup. We saw it even against Liverpool just, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, this is, a, this is a team that needs some major surgery. And you certainly wouldn't have any real confidence with that absolute joke of a manager, Frank Lampard, at the helm. Um, Man's getting beaten 5-3 and uh, conceding five goals. Conceded 79 goals overall in the whole season. Getting that... put up manager of the year? It's a fucking yeah. joke. <laughs> Come on, man! Oh, God. Brexit. I'm not gonna say it. Brexit reporting, but anyway, uh, I'll take that back as well. Um, I think. I think in terms of Costas, then it's. A, I mean, we 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 haven't seen much of the player, so we can't really comment on um, the type of player he is. So, um, honestly, have make sure you listen to that pod with Dave tomorrow. Uh, that's going to be a really interesting one uh, to see uh, how. You know, the, the the expert sees how good he is or if he suits us or not. So that'll be something, a treat for you guys. Listen, Dave's on that hosting that show. So that'll be good. And also Dave's thoughts too. Um, for the rest of the window then, Mo, what's coming up? Uh, you you already mentioned something. You said something about the first signing. Do we think we'll get three more, two, three more? I mean, I think I I'm mean, hoping there's two. Yeah, yeah. I think that at the very least, given that we are down officially to three centre-backs, uh, we, we need to get that fourth one. And I think there's just too much kind of noise and chatter out there to suggest that we're actually actively looking for another centre-back. I mean, yes, obviously, we've got a couple of players like Fabinho, for example, who can do a job there. But then that takes away the strongest defensive midfielder in, in the Premier League and one of the top DMs in the world away from his strongest position if we had to play him at centre-back. Um, so I think we are certainly looking at that position. And I think that, um, again, there's very, very clear interest in Thiago. And it might just be that we don't want to distract from the fact that Bayern are still using the player. They're still active in the Champions League. And it could be that we're just waiting for that to kind of um, run through its course before we then get the deal done for him. Um, but obviously, with pre-season for Liverpool starting in, what, a week's time? Um, you know, it's clear that he won't be joining the Liverpool pre-season at its starts um, if he and Bayern Munich go right to the end of the Champions League over the next couple of weeks. Then, you know, he could probably be expecting a couple of weeks off after that. He might not be ready to join if he does sign for us 
until probably the start of the new season. Um, and even then, you know, we're probably talking about him being gradually eased in rather than being thrown in. And that, that is pretty typical for, for new signings as well. Um, so I think at the least, um, a centre-back and Thiago. Um, I, want to talk about Thiago. Thiago. I want to talk about Thiago. Because I, I, I really want, after it being so like, it's not a Liverpool signing at the start of yeah. it. I fucking want Thiago so bad. <laughs> I was watching the game yesterday just for Thiago. That's literally all I did was watch him. And he is a he is a baller man. He is something else. I'll put it on there. He's a, he's a class above, you know, uh, a midfielder I've seen, to be honest. He's just he's just something. Every touch was just I don't know, he felt like he was I don't know, maybe five steps ahead of the rest of the game at oh. times. That's the type of shit you want in your team, man. That's the type. Some of the and then going back and watching what he does. He's a. He's not just a playmaker. He's just not just a a recycler. He's a he's a battler as well. He'll fight as well. He'll win the ball back as well. There's everything in there. Literally everything. Yes. Why wouldn't you want like? Oh, keep seeing on Twitter. We don't need him. Bullshit. Oh. We we don't. Just, we who. How can you say we don't need him? He's world class. We need any player that's world class. And you know, yeah, it's it's one of those things that we discussed when we looked at and analysed um, signings under FSG. When when did we do that, Gags? Was it last year? Mm. And at, yeah, we did. You know, at that time, you know that that kind of when rumours first started about Thiago, both of us thought no, it doesn't fit the profile. But I came to the conclusion that if the player is special enough. And they still have several more years left. And I think we are willing to make an exception um, for that type of player. And I think that's what we've got um, with this player, with Thiago. I think that Klopp clearly has rated him for quite some time. Obviously, he would have seen him up close on numerous occasions when he was still at Dortmund as the manager there. And, you know, he clearly holds him in the highest regard. And I think the opportunity to potentially work with him to bring him into that midfield alongside the likes of Fabinho and Naby Keita and Henderson and Ginny, maybe, maybe not, certainly the Ox. Um, and to have that real strength in depth in that midfield to, as you kind of talked about earlier on, uh, be able to kind of just rotate. And especially oh, with the season that we've got coming up, yeah. it's a season that is starting about a month later than normal. And it's going to finish pretty much on time. So it no one's asking, schedule wise. Yeah. yeah. No one's going to ask anyone to play 60 games. We can't, mm. you know, you won't expect it in this yeah. congestion. That's yeah. why when we say it would be really nice to get another forward in, like it'd be nice to get a player in every, you know, wherever we feel short, like wide players and, and central midfield would be good because of injuries might happen. You know, um, Hendo's just got injured. Will he get more in knee injuries? We don't know. Um, you know, a fullback was very important to get for, um, for left back. Uh, we've already got a, a right back. We're happy with that. Hoover might play as well, you know, uh, at right back. So that's all covered nicely. Centre back, like you said, you need one. Uh, the other thing is with Thiago, he's just, I, ah, oh, it's just weird to say we don't, we don't, uh, you know, need him. And I think the other thing that I've just seen Keem writing, you said something about um, uh, pre-season. Keem, Keem, who's obviously follows uh, Bayern as well, one of our Liverpool subscribers, supporters. 
<laughs> I'll put quotation marks there. No, no, he does. He's, he's, he likes um, He's a supporter of Bayern as well. And he just said he'll likely not have a break um, with, you know, because they just had a break after Bully ended, which was, you know, quite a long time, actually. I think they ended two, three weeks before we did. So um, that's been quite a, a nice break. So this is pretty much Bayern's preseason. You know, and the, the games are what every, you know, this it's, it's not many games, really. It's only four games, isn't it? It's not too well, bad. Now that they're through the quarterfinals, um, yeah. at most it's three games left. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's... Well, is it two-legged? I can't remember if... No, 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 no two legs. No two legs. No, 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 it's no, one two. single leg now. It's nothing, okay. yeah. So it's pure You're knockout, right. okay. Pure knockout now, which is why there's an asterisk for whoever wins <laughs> it. Don't care. True. Not... Bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But no, it, it, it's one of these things where I think, you know, going back to the early point, I think Klopp, who we know likes to work with a smaller group, knows at the same time that we're going into a season where, you know, the the chances of injuries are slightly greater because of that more um, intense fixture schedule. And I think that's why for this year, he knows that we need a, a little bit more depth um, in that squad. And also it's potentially a season that, you know, could be interrupted as well. I mean, if we have, you know, a real bad spike um, over the winter, then we could have a, a lengthy delay. And then, you know, we could have players coming back. And as we saw with, you know, Project Restart, you know, there were a rash of injuries in the first couple of weeks where, you know, even though players had a pre-season of sorts, because they'd had that longer break, um, you know, there, there was those injuries. And uh, it makes sense to have, you know, maybe two or three more than Klopp would normally have um, and so if you can get a Thiago, if you can get in that centre-back and ideally even get in somebody is, you know, um, somebody that can kind of do a bit of a shift as part of the front three, then that would be a perfect transfer window from our perspective because, you know, we're keeping the numbers down. So it's not unsettling the balance and harmony within the squad. And at the same time, wages wise, you know, Thiago would be coming in as the highest earner. But if your other three are coming in at, say, between... 40 and 80,000 pounds, we're making a saving of nearly half a million a week from the players that are leaving. So, um, potentially, if, if the likes of Origi and one or two others go, and that's what I was going to ask you, that's what I was going to ask you next. Who do you think is going to go? I mean, we didn't actually go into detail on um, the transfer committee, as in what who saw who went. We just said, you know, we're going to make X amount of money, but who do you think goes for a Tiago to come in? Who, who do you think goes for a center back to come in? Um, yeah, so if, if we're operating on this kind of sell-to-buy um, kind of basis, then one of the things that we saw reports of in the last couple of days is that um, Liverpool will not entertain any loan offers for Gruwich and Wilson. So that to me tells me that, and should tell other fans, that the, the time of Liverpool doing loan deals for these two players is over now. They've decided that, OK, these players are not quite at the level that we need them to be. So we're looking to sell them on. And I think that Liverpool will be targeting probably 35 minimum for the two. Um, so if, if that's the case, then that should more than cover any fee that we have to put in the way of uh, Bayern Munich to bring in Thiago Alcantara. Then we've got other players like Jordan Shakiri. Um and we've got some kind of fringe players as well, like Ben Woodburn, and Shea Ojo, um, Owenai. We've got also Karius as well. 
and one or two others as well. Um, so between those other kind of fringe players and like Shakiri, again, we could be looking at in the region of maybe 30 million, maybe 40 million. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I think really overall, do. we were. Oh, yes. And of course, how can I forget the main man, Divok? Um, and I think, yeah. We've got to meet Divok on Shawley, you know. Yeah. Look, you know, he, he did wonders for us in 1819 and even at times in previous seasons to that. Mm. Uh, but 1920 really showed that um, he's not at the level we need him to be. He had a number of starts. Um, he had other times when he could have come on and made a difference and he really did. And I think in another club with a different system, being played down the middle as a number nine, a conventional number nine, I think he could he could do a decent job for somebody, but He's not. He's not Liverpool standard. You know that. That's the bottom line. And I think now is as good a time as any to move him on because I think if he spends another year with us, where he's a fringe player, flatters to deceive, his value will only go one way, and that won't be up. So the problem I think is now where, time. where's the money for him? That's the problem. You know, I can't. I think Keane's put it in there as well. I was going to say the same thing. I just don't see mm. who and what would pay the cash. You know, twenty million maybe, but who's going to pay thirty, forty for him? No chance. You know? Yeah, and I think that that's where we, at the same time, have to be realistic as well. That mm. you know, had we not had COVID come along, you know, even now after a pretty subdued season, for, you know, for him, we may have still been looking to demand in the region of thirty, maybe thirty-five. Mm. Um, because look, you know, we managed to get ninety million off selling Solanke, so you know, it'd be reasonable to expect something like thirty to thirty-five for for Divock. But given the current circumstances, I think any offer of between 20 and 25, I would take personally because, you know, that that should land you a pretty decent um, centre-back all on its own. And never mind, um, you know, go a decent way towards getting somebody in for the front three. And obviously on the transfer committee, we talked about uh, Chaser at 50 million. Um, But, you know, even if we went for a SAR or even somebody else who maybe not um, tied in with, you know, us losing him for four or five weeks during the AFCON. Um, again, at the very least, you know, Edwards and, and the others will probably be having people lined up who might be in the region of 15 to 20 million. But I think that if we do manage to move on the right players, we can still probably bring in um, over the next several weeks, somewhere in the region of 80 to 90 million. And, you know, that wow. should be a reasonable sum to bring in, you know, certainly Alcantara, but also two good signings at both the centre-back and forward positions. And if we have those four players come in, you know, I think we'll have strength in depth. And, uh, yeah, I mean, ideally would have loved to have had Werner because, you know, I think he would have been magnificent. But, you know, even if we get somebody that maybe just below that level but can still do a job and can grow, because we know that, you know, with Klopp and Linders and others, you know, they've got a fantastic track record in bringing players on and taking them up one or two or three levels. Um, I, I think that, you know, we have plenty to be optimistic about. And I think even the most pessimistic, negative fans out there um, would have very, very little to moan about other than, I don't know, um, you know, the, the kit perhaps, like the away kit for Liverpool, and that'd be about it. But if, if that's all fans have got to moan about, then uh, I'd take that. i take that in heartbeat. Yeah, people moaning about people getting free kits. <laughs> need to you know, just go away for fuck's sake, but uh, yeah, uh, I think that's that's everything, Mo. I mean, I'll, I've got no other questions for you. I'm really looking forward to the rest of the window. Um, I think a really important position is is going to be 
done as long as you know um, this kid does join in the next yeah. few days it's going to be um it's going to be really interesting uh, that one problem position is solved there's a couple more to go but it's oh. positive that liverpool are in the in the market and are looking and can see where the squad needs players and i think it should give everybody a little bit of a lift to say that look they trust the club you know yeah yeah no exactly yeah absolutely and uh, you know i think they've earned our trust and if if fans after all the fantastic success that Edwards and Co have had in the transfer market over the last three or four years, still lack faith and confidence in them now at this stage, then I don't know what they'll be able to do to convince you that they are not, they know what they're doing and trust in them <laughs> because, you know, their, their record is, you know, the envy of world football. You know, there are so many clubs out there that would love to trade whoever they've got in as director of football or technical director or whatever they call them, in for Edwards. You know, they they would absolutely do anything for him and his team. Um, but, you know, we're so fortunate that we've got them and we've got him. And, um, you know, I, I'm absolutely confident that, uh, you know, they'll be able to deliver the goods. And, you know, if, if they believe that Simicass is the man, then I believe he's the man as well. So before you close out the show, I just want to do a few plugs because we are going to probably oh. put this one live as well. Make sure you go and, um, you know, check out Dave's pod tomorrow. Okay, that's going to be on uh, Simicast as well. And it's going to be with a Greek football expert. That will be out before lunch, I hope, um, or just after. So make sure you look out for that one. Um, make sure you follow Mo Chatras because he's brilliant on um, on Twitter with all of his threads. I was retweeting, like, literally... The whole timeline, I think, the other day. I think yeah. there's more coming and more of these shows as well, please, Mo. We love them. But, yeah, apart from that, um, there's some new stuff coming out on the, the merch side as well. So, Anfordindex.shop, go and check it all out. But, yeah, that's it for me. Nice one. Thank you, Gags. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, exciting times. One signing in the bag, hopefully, this week. Um, not quite there yet, but it sounds like it, it's pretty much done. Um, and then hopefully two or three more to come and uh, we'll all be happy bunnies. So excellent. Let, let's see what happens in the next few weeks. But uh, thanks for joining me, Gags, and thanks for everyone listening. And until next time, we'll be here on Money Talks. Network.